Hey there, it's Dr. Nazanin Mo'oli, and I want to chat with you about a key ingredient for a fabulous date night, feeling sexy. And come on, let's be real. What you wear plays a big part in how you rock that confidence. That's why I'm thrilled to introduce you to Quince. Quince brings you premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts starting at just $30, along with washable silk tops, 40-carat gold jewelry, and more. And guess what? All of their goodies are priced 50 to 80% lower than similar brands. By teaming up directly with top factories, Quince skipped the middleman and hands us the saving. Plus, they stick to factories with safe, ethical practices and top-notch fabrics and finishes. How awesome is that? Picking from Quince's website was tough because they have a ton of fabulous choices. I ended up going for their 100% washable silk sleep dress in champagne. And let me tell you, my husband was floored. He's convinced whoever rocks this is in for a blast. I'm going to record some content on that dress so you can see how fabulous is that dress. Elevate your date night style with Quince. Pop over to quince.com slash sexology for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash sexology to get free shipping and 365-day returns. quince.com slash sexology. Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 56 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today, we're going to continue on conversation on how to find a partner and about dating. So what happened is after we aired last two shows about sex and dating with Dr. Sharon Cohen, many of you guys emailed us and asked many questions about dating and how to find a partner. And you talked about your struggles on things you tried and advices that you took on and uh, how frustrating it's been for you not to track the partner that you want. That's why today uh, we invited Mr. Ken Page to join us to have a conversation about how you can find a partner that's congruent with who you are and how you can achieve true intimacy with them. Ken Page, LCSW, is a renowned psychotherapist, popular Psychology Today blogger, blogger, (laughs) Huffington Post blogger, and author of the bestseller, Deeper Dating, How to Drop the Games of Seduction and Discover the Power of Intimacy. He has been featured in O, The Opera Magazine, The New York Times, Cosmopolitan, Fox News, Match.com, Christian Mingle, Date, and more. Page has led hundreds of workshops on intimacy and spirituality for thousands of participants. Here's my conversation with Mr. Ken Page. Welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. As I mentioned during the introduction, 
I'm honored and excited to have the author and therapist, Mr. Ken Page, in our show today. Ken, welcome to our show. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Thank you so much for coming on. I was sharing with you before we started recording that how much I loved and appreciated your book because of its different approach toward dating. Thank you. Thank you. And and I think the work that you're doing, as I told you, is very exciting too, Nazanin. So I'm Dr. Moali. So very glad to be here. Please call me Nazanin. Thank you so much. Nazanin. Okay, sure. <laughs> so one of the things I know in the book, you were talking about like how to find a mate. And you talked about some of the challenges that people experience while they're searching for soulmate and a partner. So why do you think people keep falling in love for others who are not necessarily good for them? You know, that's that's a it's you're hitting on maybe the central theme here because our romantic and sexual attractions are at the heart of this whole journey. And we're not taught that we can educate our romantic and sexual attractions. And there's a few really lucky people in this world who gravitate toward stable, kind, consistent, available, loving mates. And God bless those folks. <laughs> but the rest of us have to educate our attractions. Not that, not that anybody would say, oh, yeah, I'm attracted to someone who's going to dump me or is bad for me. But unconsciously, we tend to play out stories of attraction that often relate to um, our insecurities. And we're looking for people who... This is like a kind of very deep, there's like a deeper physics to attraction. And often we can be attracted to people who remind us, and we don't even know this consciously, of the qualities that hurt us in our childhood growing up, or the ways we haven't felt seen or loved or appreciated in the world. And the process of love on some level is that we're looking for those parts of ourselves to be healed unconsciously, which is a great thing, but we choose and we're attracted to people who are more likely to re-injure us in the same ways again and again, hoping that we'll finally get people like that to love us right, which is an exercise in pain. So very often, the people that you're, like if you think about a spectrum of attraction, just picture like zero being someone you're not sexually, romantically attracted to at all. And a 10 being the kind of person that just, they just kill you. They make you weak in the knees. They make you stay up in the middle of the night. They, they make you obsess. Um, the kind of people that just really, really just are 10s in terms of how much they turn you on. Those people often are so exciting because unconsciously, they remind you of the places where you have been the most hurt in your life. And you want to try to get, like, you, they remind you of the ways that your primary caregivers hurt you the most or didn't see you the most. And you want to go back to the original scene of the crime to get loved right. Now, that's not immediately obvious, but those people who are nines and tens, how often have those people been the ones who've hurt you the most deeply? How often have those nines and tens be the ones who are just not good for you? It's because unconsciously, there is a deeper story to the people we're attracted to. Now, 
there's a point that I want to make here, which is that you could kind of break attractions down into two different circuitries. And all of us have both circuitries. So one circuitry is what I call attractions of deprivation. And unfortunately, those are often the hottest, sexiest, and most immediately compelling attractions. Now, what are attractions of deprivation? They're attractions to people who somehow can't love you right. From the beginning, you know that there's something off. They, they almost love you right. They almost treat you right. They're almost available. They're almost good to you, but then they're not. They're available, and then they're not. Now, these attractions are killer attractions. They are so sexy. They are so white hot, and they cause us endless pain. These are attractions of deprivation, where our goal is to try to get the person to finally fully love us. And they end in pain, almost always. And they feel like love. They feel like love. And down to your bones, you feel like if I get this person, that's going to be the love I dream of. But it's an oasis. It's a mirage. It's not true. And we need to learn that we have another circuitry of attraction, which I call attractions of inspiration. And what are those attractions? Those are attractions to people who you're turned on to them because of their goodness, because of their solidity, because of their integrity because of their availability. And it's a whole different kind of attraction. It usually doesn't start as white hot. You have to be attracted to someone to date them. But you don't, there could just be a little bit of a spark or a potential spark, and that can grow. You want to make a decision. I, well, if you want to be happy, and if you're looking for love, you want to make a decision that from now on, you are going to stop chasing attractions of deprivation, and you are going to only seek out attractions of inspiration and build those. And when you make that decision, your relationship life begins to change. But no one teaches us this. They just teach us like, well, hopefully you're lucky enough and attractive enough to find the right person. No, it is much more complex than that. There's a journey of wisdom that everyone needs to take who wants to find love. So that's my long answer to your question. Love that. And I love the part that you were talking about, educate our attraction, because yeah. I certainly see the same pattern that you were talking about, that yeah. you know people getting attracted to because they're like playing out things from their past and there's when... They keep doing the same, going through the same kind of like cycles of relationship and they're feeling yeah. defeated and they kind of get confused because they don't know why they cannot figure it out. And you're talking about they are trying to repair those old wounds. But I'm kind of curious about the attraction of inspiration. So what if, like, how long do you think you should allow those relationships to see if there you can create a spark in those relationships, if the chemistry will be part of those relationships. Yeah, that's a great question. And here's what I would say. I would say to everybody, you do not need to torture yourself or condemn yourself if you're not physically attracted to someone. You just don't need to do that because, and no matter how wonderful they are, 
because uh, attraction is a magical thing and you cannot force it. You cannot force your attractions. However, you can educate them. So some of you might know that, you know, many people have had the experience of not particularly feeling in love with someone and then kind of after a period of time falling in love with them. So many of us can do that. And in those cases, if you're someone who that can happen to, keep dating the person and see if your feelings are growing for them. If they're growing, keep dating them. If after a period of time they're just not growing, give yourself a break and just have a friendship with them. And of course, if they don't treat you wonderfully, don't even have a friendship with them and get away kind of as quickly as you can. If you feel the attraction is growing, that's wonderful. And stay with it because some people, and I think this is more true of men, kind of need to feel a physical attraction earlier on. But but I think it's less true of women and it's also not so true of, of, of a number of men. So give it a chance, but don't kind of give yourself a hard time if the attraction is not growing. It doesn't have to grow. There will be someone who it'll grow with. I really like that because I feel at times people kind of feel stuck. They want to make sure like this person is wonderful and they want to make sure they are in a stable relationship. But, you know, if there's not sexual spark and chemistry at all and you don't see it's growing, it's just kind of challenging to stay in those relationships. So I, I'm really glad that you're saying that, like, it's not necessarily that they need to stay in those relationships. They can kind of stay as friends or kind of move on to find another potential mate. Absolutely. That said, that said, getting kind of nitty gritty here, let's say there's someone that you're dating and you feel like, well, I feel like this person's attractive. There could be a spark or maybe earlier on there was a spark. But then when I saw that they were really available, I kind of lost that spark. If there's any iffiness there and any potential of a spark, there are certain things that you can do to intensify that spark. And some of those things are, of course, have fun with this person. Really let yourself have fun with them. Do pleasurable, exciting things. If there are parts of their body that you're attracted to, let yourself just fantasize like touching those parts of their body or picturing those parts of their body. Maybe you're not overall attracted to their body, but you're attracted to their eyes. You just let yourself kind of picture their eyes and the good feeling that, that looking at their eyes evokes. And you just kind of let yourself let those mini attractions or those partial attractions grow and develop. If you're feeling like you, uh, oh, and here's, you know, here's another thing that you can do. If there are things that you appreciate about your partner or this person you're dating, tell it to her or tell it to him. That actually grows your attraction. And if you hear back those kind of things, that can grow your attraction. Attention is an aphrodisiac. If this person really is good at listening to you, well, 50 points for them right there, because that's a rare commodity in this world. Let yourself talk. Let yourself take advantage of the fact that this is someone who could listen. Let yourself enjoy this person's generosity, goodness, kindness. Take that in. These are all things that can grow eros and attraction. And again, if it doesn't grow, you're not obligated to make it grow. But I'll tell you the thing that destroys growing attraction 
more than almost anything else. That is forcing yourself to be more attracted than you are. It's forcing yourself to be more intimate than you feel. Give yourself the space to take the time that you want. If you don't want to date that person again for another two or three weeks, you know, find a gentle way to make that happen because that feeling of claustrophobia ruins attraction more than almost anything else. So give yourself breathing space, but don't run too far. And, um, you know, I, if I could, I'd love to talk about the wave because I think that's a really important concept. Absolutely. Good, good, good. Because this, for me, is what kept me single for decades. And I would say this is probably the single greatest saboteur of healthy love that I've experienced in my decades of work as a psychotherapist. And it's what I call the wave or the wave of distancing. And I'll tell you what it is. You meet somebody, you like them, there's some spark of attraction, and then you find that they're really available. Like they're really available. They really like you. They really want to spend time with you. They're growing to feel closer to you. And this, it feels like the mystery and the safety of their unavailability disappears. And all of a sudden you feel like, oh my God, his laugh is so annoying. Or all of a sudden you feel like, I never noticed how ugly his ears are. Or <laughs> I just really don't like her haircut at all. Or boy, there's got to be someone I'm more attracted to. You know, you, all these things come up. And what you start feeling is anything from boredom to actual repulsion toward this person. And it's for no good reason at all, but you just want to get away. Now, we're not taught how to handle that, but that's something that happens a lot. And you don't feel it with the bad boys and the bad girls. And you don't feel it with the unavailable people. You feel it with the decent, solid, available people. You, you're like, you feel like, Boring, boring, boring. Now, it's not really that they're boring. Well, they might be boring, but assuming that it's not someone who's really boring, I'll tell you what it is. What it is, is fear. Because when you meet someone that you truly could trust, that's when you are the most at risk. So, so many people like someone, they start dating, and they hit the wave, and they think one of two things. They think either, well, I've lost my attraction. They're not attractive enough for me. Or they think, I am so screwed up. I really like just can't do this love thing because anyone who's nice, I run away from. And in both cases, what do you do? You just flee because you feel like you're helpless. But no one has told you that there's a secret to this wave. And the secret is it's a wave and waves pass. So if you can continue to date that person, not pressure yourself to do more, do stuff that's fun with them and enjoy their good qualities and just allow a little bit of space, almost always to your wonderful surprise, you're going to find that the feelings begin to come back. And when they do, you'll have a clearer sense of if this person is right for you or not. But countless relationships have crashed and broken on the rocks of this wave because people have not been taught the skill of what to do. And in fact, the last thing I want to say about this is when you experience the wave, like let's say you experience this, someone you're attracted to seems nice, 
as you see them become available, they become less interesting, and you want to get away, you should celebrate because you have finally met someone who's potentially available. And this is just the way your fear is trying to protect you from true vulnerability. Stay with it until you know more. The feelings will come back if you do what I said. What an insightful information. As you were talking about this, I was kind of reflecting back when I was single and I was dating, and I never heard about this kind of period of like losing the spark and kind of in a stable relationship and looking at it as a wave because then I'm kind of wonder like usually because of then when the attraction kind of like dies or you don't see that spark I tended to kind of run away so this is not working but it's I'm curious to see how would think might unfold for people if they wait and see if things changes because most people kind of quickly give up because they're scared of being in a relationship that's not exciting and the spark is not there. Yep. It's so true. It's so true. And often you only experience the wave when it's someone who's really potentially really good for you. That's the amazing thing. So yeah, everyone who's dating has to learn how to handle that wave. And that wave will come back in various versions when you're in an intimate relationship with somebody. It's just something that happens. Someone I was in a relationship with said this, said, said something to me once that was so wise and so insightful and so helpful. Um, so we were going through a very difficult point and the relationship didn't end up lasting. But at a certain point, I said to this person, I I was very kind of very honest, very frank. And I said, I feel like you don't love me anymore. And do you not love me anymore? Because that's really how it felt. And this very wise person, he said to me, he said, no, Ken, it's not that I don't love you. Just think of the moon in an eclipse. You don't see it, but it's there. I don't see my love for you now at all but it's there. And I just thought that's so wise. And if we could know that the feeling of love goes into eclipse, but not necessarily the love itself. So even in early dating, there's a version of that. And the version is the wave. So yeah, please learn this skill because you almost always only hit the wave with available people. Love that. And what a beautiful analogy. I never yeah. thought about it. And that's so true. Like in long-term relationships, now I'm, I'm married and I'm thinking at times your love is more present and at times is not as much present. So just interesting in all relationships, like emotions can change, spark can change. And it's a matter yeah. of staying around to see the change. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So one of the things I know in your book, you were talking about different stages of dating. So what are stages of deeper dating journey? Yeah, yeah. I think this is such an important thing, and this is a really rich piece. And I guess what I want to say about this is any challenge that you have in front of you that really, really matters is probably going to involve a degree of a place where you feel stuck around something that really matters is probably going to involve not just changing the dial, 
but you know, or learning a couple technical skills, but actually changing yourself, kind of a process of evolution. You know, business owners who are struggling with their business, there's a self-learning that goes on around their relationship to details, around their relationship to abundance, around their relationship to to their customers. It's a journey of self-discovery. And this is so true in your search for love. And so the stages that I want to describe, which are four, each of them is, I would say, like together these steps will be and should be one of the greatest spiritual and emotional adventures of your entire life. Doing these stages will teach you how to love more deeply, how to understand yourself more deeply. These stages apply everywhere. And as you learn them, they will change your life because they're the stay there, you know, in a certain way, the stages of deep, deep growth. So um, I talk about these stages and they're not gimmicks. They're some of the most profound and amazing things that a human being can do. And in my work as a therapist and in my work as a teacher, I move people through these stages. I guide them and they go through these stages and it's just breathtaking to watch. So I'm going to, I'm going to speak about what each of those stages are, but I'm going to say one thing first. Every one of you who is looking for a relationship, what I want to tell you is as much as the culture might tell you that your longing for love is a weakness, I want to tell you that it's not a weakness, it's wisdom. You are wise to be longing for love because love is really important. It's just about the most important thing there is. And the quality of your relationship and having a relationship is going to affect the quality of your days, your nights, your future, your children's lives, and kind of the world. So there's almost no bigger forecaster for your own happiness than the quality of the relationship that you choose. And as you do these steps and make these changes, the quality of your relationship that you finally choose will improve, which is going to improve kind of the rest of your future. So do this work. Think, see, listen to these concepts, and if they apply to you, try to live them. Uh, so with that really long introduction, I'll, I'll say what the stages are. The first stage is, I think in some ways, the most profound. And that stage is the discovery of what I call your core gifts. Here's the deal, as I understand it. The parts of our place, of ourselves, where we're the most authentic, make us feel different. What's wrong with me that I feel this way? The parts of ourselves that make us feel the most tender and vulnerable make us feel insecure because we think, what's wrong with myself, with me, that I'm so sensitive about this stuff, so oversensitive, so tender? And the parts of ourselves where we're the most intense and passionate also can trigger insecurity because we think, am I too much? Am I too forceful? Am I too intense? And these parts of ourselves are what I call our core gifts. They're the things that make you, you. And they're the places where you can experience the most joy in life, but also they're the places where you can be the most hurt. They're the places where life touches you the most deeply. And the way that you can discover these qualities, these core gifts, is by noticing what things in your day-to-day life hurt you the most, 
and inspire you the most. Those are the places of your core gifts. Now, what most of us do in our search for love is we think, I got to tone those things down. I have to not show those things because they're too embarrassing. They're too weird. They're too quirky. They're too shameful. So I'm going to present this more typically what I think of attractive image of myself. And I'm not going to show these parts of myself that much until I know the person really likes me. So when we do that, we are on a course of action that is going to lead us to a lot of pain, a lot of pain, because we're going to present a self that we're not. Hence, we're not going to be attracting the kind of people who are attracted to us for who we really are. And we're going to be attracting people who sense the weakness of our lack of self-acceptance and begin to prey on that. So the first stage of this journey is to actually discover and name what these qualities are, these qualities that are particularly sensitive and tender or particularly passionate and strong, these qualities that make us us, but that make us feel like strange or different. They're where our soul lives. They're where our beauty lives. And when people make the decision, this brave, brave decision, I'm going to lead with those parts of myself. And I'm only, only, only going to choose people that love those parts of me. Only when people make that decision and begin to dignify those parts of themselves, their entire dating life changes. And this is the place that comes closest to magic to me in what I've seen. Because all of a sudden, you start meeting people who are kinder and more available and love you for who you are. It's almost like a miracle. And I've seen it happen again and again. And this is why I consider this such a spiritual adventure. So in my book, I kind of teach their exercises, the t- d- deeper dating, that the teach you how to name your core gifts and how to honor them. For those of you that want a simple way to do it, it's that way that I just mentioned, which is notice and write down the things that hurt your heart the most. Don't tell yourself you're oversensitive. Honor those parts and, and notice what they are. And then notice the things that inspire your heart the most. And when you put those together, it's like a connect the dots puzzle. It forms a picture. And that picture is the picture of who you really are. And I promise you, when you start leading with that you, everything is going to change. So that's step one, the discovery of your core gifts. Should I go on to step two? Do you Please. Any- yeah. No, I think just fantastic because of, as you were talking about the first uh, step, I was thinking about how it's different that what we usually hear about, like, you know, That's you right. got to change your appearance, you got to change your game versus on kind of like showing your true self and really showing up with those vulnerable parts. I love it. It's a completely opposite path. It's a completely opposite path. And it's scary, but it is amazing. And here's another benefit that happens when you decide to do it. When you decide to do it, interestingly and amazingly, This approach cracks the spine of your insecurities because it's like what you you go into a date thinking I'm going to be me and they really might not be loving that, but that's okay. 
because that's all I'm going to be. And if they don't like that, I've accomplished my goal. And my goal was to lead with who I am. And um, so, so rejection is less painful that way. You, the, the fear of rejection is, is actually less when you do it that way. Right. And how authentic it is to live like based on who you truly are versus on trying to kind of change yourself to this another kind of persona of what's been perceived as attractive or desirable. And how long can you keep that persona if that's not who you are? That is so true. And I want to say something to the women here and the men here. This is what I want to say to the women here. I want to say the messages that you get that tell you, don't be too strong, don't be too powerful, embrace your femininity. Well, I love embracing your femininity, but I don't love don't be too strong and don't be too powerful. Because if you're a really kind of powerful woman, you need a guy who loves that. So that kind of toning yourself down or turning yourself into a pretzel, because otherwise like, like a, a great alpha guy won't be interested in you. Not only is it nonsense, it's self-destructive, and it's perpetrated by so many people. Guys, you don't have to worry about being this alpha male. You don't have to. You can be you. The bottom line for everybody is you got to lead with who you are, because I promise you, I promise you, there are people out there who are looking for just that kind of person. And you are going to be, it's like, it's like walking out of a shoe store. You do not want to walk out of a shoe store with a shoe that's really hurting your foot and think like, oh God, well, I'll fit into this finally. No, you won't. It's going to really like cause bunions and, and it's going to hurt and it's going to be terrible. You want to walk out of the shoe store with a shoe that feels comfortable right away. You want to be dating people who you could be yourself and you have that like warm bath feeling of like, oh, this person gets it and likes it. So, so that's all stage one. But now we're getting into stage two. And stage two is to work with your attractions. And if you're someone who has had like a lot of hard time finding a wonderful relationship, it's because you probably tend to be attracted to people who are not good for you. There's some kind of an unconscious following of your attractions of deprivation. And again, in the book, I kind of lead people through this. I ask people to think about, all right, even though all these past relationships didn't work for different reasons, are there certain qualities that all of those people had or that made, they made you feel in the long run that are similar? Those qualities are your patterns of attractions of deprivation. So there's a process of beginning to educate your attractions. And what I want to tell you is, as you learn to lead with who you are, your attractions will actually begin to change. Not overnight, but they will change. As you begin to lead with who you are and only look for people that treasure that, I can pretty much promise you that little by little, you are going to lose your taste for the people who chip away at your sense of self-worth. And you're going to become more attracted to the people who love you for who you are. And I consider this a miracle. I do. And it's a miracle that to me somehow speaks to a deeper physics in the realm of love. And to me speaks to the presence of a benevolent pattern in this universe and in the way that we're built. Because I've seen it happen again and again. As you embrace who you are and lead with it and look for people who treasure that, your sexual and romantic attractions 
will actually begin to change. And there's research on this too, fascinating research kind of proving this. One example is there's something called the principle of instrumentality, a research concept that, that shows that when somebody matches your goal, you, whatever your kind of goals are, you're, gonna, you're more likely to find them attractive, you're more likely to notice them, and you're more likely to pursue them. So when your goal now becomes looking for attractions of inspiration, just watch. You are going to start finding people like that. You're going to start noticing them more, and you're going to find yourself more attracted to them. And I just think that's one of the best things in the world. So that's kind of a simple stage of, of stage two, which is working on your attractions. The harder part of stage two is when you're constantly getting attracted to people who are bad for you. And you know what my image of this is? My image is if you could picture a little child holding onto a colored piece of glass with sharp edges, and you're the parent, and you know this kid is going to hurt themselves. So you open, you try to pry open their fingers, and they start screaming. You're taking this away from, you know, the little infant doesn't want that because they don't realize that their fingers are going to be bloody and cut in a moment. They just see this pretty little object that they don't want to take it away. And that's what it's like for the kid in us, the part in us that doesn't want to let go of that bad boy or that bad girl or that attraction of deprivation. And it's hard to do that. So I just, I want to acknowledge it's hard. And if you're in a situation like that, you will need help and support because you're going to feel like that little infant saying, no, I don't care. This is pretty. This is nice. This is sexy. I want this. This is what love is going to be. Well, it's not. This is what pain is going to be. So that's stage two. It's a deeper, richer capacity to work with your attractions. Stage three is how you get out there and date. It's actually the deeper dating phase. And it's learning to lead with who you are. And uh, it's meeting people in a different way. It's thinking, what are the ways that I've met people that have worked best for me? What are the ways that haven't? And what I want to say to you is like the simple key here in stage three is to try to find people who share your values and interests. Think about events. Think about places where people who share your kind of core values, your kind of core gifts would be more likely to congregate. That's where you want to go to meet them. If you're doing online dating, Think of the keywords that capture those qualities. Do keyword searches that, that, that for those kind of qualities or words that reflect those kind of qualities. When you write a profile, use pictures of yourself that are not just pictures that you consider attractive, but kind of pictures that show your soul, that show who you really are, the kind of pictures that your best friends would say, that's you. I see that smile. That's you. That's your spirit. Because those pictures are going to draw the kind of people you're looking for. Um, use those words that capture who you really, really are in your profile. Don't worry about being witty. Be you. Be who you really are. So that's the third stage. That, that's the stage of dating differently. And I guess I'll say one more thing about that. This is just a, a trick. It's a tip. Everyone asks their friends, can you keep an eye out for someone for me? And everyone's friends say, sure, of course, and they mean it. 
and then it kind of like goes through their head because it's just not concrete enough. And if they would have thought of that person, they would have told you about them already. So my step, my trick is to ask them to go through their social media and actually go through it and think of and look through it and think of people who might be a match. Pretty much guaranteed you're going to get a lot of potential matches. And that's where you want to start because your friends, you've curated your circle of friends to be the kind of people you care about. That circle of friends, they've curated their circle of friends in the same way. So that's kind of what I think of as dating smarter and dating quicker. So that's just one little tip from the kind of tips that I offer in, in, in the book. The final stage is the stage of building intimacy. And that's a kind of rich, complex stage, which is basically about again and again, treasuring your real self, dignifying your real self, honoring your real self, and then sharing that with your partner, which is very vulnerable, and, and sharing it with gentleness and kindness. That's part A. Part B, you are the specialist in what the soul of your partner is like. You are the specialist in what their core gifts are. Do the same with them. Notice the things that hurt them the most in life and understand that that's where their deepest gifts lie because that's what they care about. Notice the things that inspire them the most and notice that's what they care about. That's where their deepest gifts are. See those parts of them. Honor those parts. Not only honor, tell your partner when you see them. Because we cannot, it's, a, it's one of those amazing things about being a human being. We cannot notice our core gifts ourselves. We need to be instructed in them by the people who love us the most. Give that gift to your partner and watch what happens. And when both of you are giving that gift to each other, well, that's happiness. And those are the four stages. I love that. And I love how for each step you have kind of defined action that can people take and their tasks they can do. Because I feel at times when we're talking about finding true intimacy, we're talking about this abstract ideas that people, they necessarily didn't experience it, but they don't know how to get there. So I love that you're talking about different tasks and different kind of characteristics of each phase. So I've noticed, unfortunately, we're toward the end of our time, but I love this conversation and I loved your book. And I'm sure many of our listeners, yeah, they would love to learn more about your writing because I know you're a fantastic author. So if they want to get a hold of your material and your writing, where would be the best place? Well, thank you so much for that. And so, so I would say the best and easiest place to start is with my website, which is deeperdating.com. And when you go there, you can join my mailing list, which is where you can find out about all the different events that I do, the classes I teach, the free events. And also when you do, you get a free ebook, which is called Four Insights to Transform Your Search for Love. And it's some of the key insights that people can use to literally transform their search for love and turn it into the kind of journey that we've been talking about. So just go to deeperdating.com or if you want to get my book, just go anywhere and just look up Deeper Dating. The longer title is Deeper Dating, How to Drop the Games of Seduction and Discover the Power of Intimacy. But Deeper Dating will work. And um, 
I encourage you all to consider exploring these options if what I'm saying speaks to you. And I wish each one of you great luck and success in this intimacy journey because it's not a dating game. It's an intimacy journey. And every step you take on that journey is going to move you closer to the love that you seek. Thank you, Ken. This was great. And you guys can find out all of this information about Ken's uh, website and book and everything in our show notes. Thank you so much. This was a lovely conversation. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye. Take good care, Nazanin. You too. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ken. I found his book and his writing very insightful. And it's very refreshing the way he approaches dating and finding a partner, which is very different than the traditional ways that we learn and read in different magazines and books. And if you have a friend that they might benefit from this episode, feel free to share it with them because there's just so much misconceptions and frustration when it comes to dating. And also, I wanted to remind you guys that this is the last week I'm offering the 50% off of my counseling services. So if you're thinking about starting counseling with me, you can go to the show notes and click on the link. It takes you to my webpage and shows my opening for new clients. So it's going to be 50% off and we can do it either in my offices in LA or online. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.